Our names are Malcolm and Barbara Collins. Malcolm and Barbara and I are Lake Barbara and I are Lake Avenue retired missionaries sent out from Lake Avenue in 1977 to Kenya, Africa as church planters and Bible translators to among the unreached Rendili tribe. I'm holding a copy of the New Testament, which was recently completed last August. You as Lake Avenue. You as Lake Avenue have had a part in this coming to pass. Thanks be to God for you. Our scripture reading is selected from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. Let us stand for the reading. Oh, you are standing. For the reading of God's word. <laughs> and here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you, re while you are hard-pressed, that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality, as it is written. The one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Second Corinthians 9, verses 1 through 5. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and Acacia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow but that you may be ready as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Malcolm and Barbara, thank you. Um, thank you for being an example to us of what it means to give. Um, I learned a little something about your story and that you all had to come back. Um, pretty quickly after you left uh, in order to take care of some family matters. And so that New Testament really is a miracle um, and the fact that, uh, that it's gotten completed. God bless you for being an example to this, uh, to this body and to me. Um, I said as you guys were leaving last time that you know, I know what I'm about to say um, and uh, folks like you are much more an example uh, than what I'm about to say. So God bless you and thank you. So, um, 
Lots of scripture, lots of, uh, lots of words that we get to listen to and hear. And um, Greg uh, so generously gave me a, a chunk of scripture that we, was just read for us. Um, but also uh, more than that. So actually, that's actually cut down from what, what I got. Um, and we were talking about it. And, and he was like, well, just, just go, with, go with what you see and go with what God's leading you. And so um, we're going to step into um, what, what God has, has given us. And I really do mean us to hear um, this particular Sunday morning. Um, last week, Pastor Greg asked two questions. Um, he actually asked a bunch more questions than that, but I'm only going to focus on two. Um, the first was, what brings about joy-filled generosity? What brings about joy-filled generosity? He said that this is the generosity motivated by the grace and love of Jesus that is able to meet a need regardless of one's own circumstances. So regardless of the circumstances that you and I find ourselves in, it's because of the grace and love of Jesus Christ that motivates us. Like, right? What is that, what is that thing that brings joy-filled generosity? It's a recognition of Jesus. Second, he asked, for what reason do followers of Jesus reject this joy-filled generosity? Pastor Greg said, this question is worthy of an entire sermon. Well, guess what? <laughs> Here we go. In our text this morning, we continue actually very directly from what was spoken over us last week as Pastor Greg preached. Pastor Paul is making a direct appeal to the Corinthians so that they might fulfill the request that's been made for funding on the behalf of the Jerusalem church. Uh, Paul is writing to the Corinthians ahead of his visit so that they might be prepared, so that they might have that gift ready. The Macedonian churches, the churches of Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea, they've already given and they were under extreme pressure, uh, not pressure to give, but pressure because of the, the financial situation and the, and the lack of food that they had and the lack of money that they were dealing with. And they had already given and had done so really cheerfully. And you heard about that last week. But in verse 10, Paul reminds the church at Corinth and lets us in on the fact that the church at Corinth was actually the first to give. They were the ones that had all the desire and all the excitement to give. Not only that they gave, but they had the desire, that excitement to do so. It is this desire that Paul then continues to repeat over the next few verses. He says this, Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Though willingness, I think, is a good term, I think it falls short of what Paul is actually trying to say. He's actually speaking of, uh, of zeal, that, that zealousness that we know in Paul. He's speaking of an eagerness in us. He's speaking of that desire, that, that thing that causes people to turn their heads. He's, he's talking about that smile that cracks in us when we see other people laughing, that passion that's contagious. 
It's as if Paul was saying, you know, uh, my father used to say, whatever you do, do it 100%. When you work, work. When you laugh, laugh. When you eat, eat like it's your last meal. When you give, give. We already saying, take my silver and take my gold. Not a mite will I withhold. We're already thinking that. We're already in that space. And it's in this part of the scripture we see a bit of the heart of Paul. But we also see some of the difficulty that he was in in just writing the letter. Pastor Paul needs to be careful. Yet at the same time, he needs to challenge a church. And he anticipates the objections that they might have. Objection! Paul, see, I worked, I worked hard for what I have. Objection. Um, Paul, they need to chip in a little bit over there in Jerusalem. We need to know that they're, they're with us. Objection. There are, there are limits to what one can give, Paul. I mean, we, we, just, we just have, we have limits. Paul, in verse 12 He anticipates this and says that giving needs to be in proportion to what one has. A long time ago, when I was a bit younger, I went to buy my first car. It was a beautiful car. Beautiful, orange, 1973 Volkswagen bus. (laughs) So excited to get that car. But to get that car, you know, you had to go get the money, had to, had to grab the money out of my savings account. Let's be honest, I had to grab all the money out of my savings account. And on the way to go get that car, I stopped by McDonald's because I had an extra $20. And I was like, well, I got to eat. So cheap food, the dollar menu, McDonald's, I'll be set till next Friday when I can get paid. So as I'm walking in, I've got this wad of cash that I've just got out of the bank, and I've got this $20 bill that was going to feed me. And I run into Greg. Now, Greg was a person who I had known from our church. He's homeless. He'd struggled a bit. We've had multiple conversations, and Greg is sitting there, and he said, hey, man, do you have anything? Now, there is a practice in my life that I do every now and again that says, whatever I have in my packet, I will make sure that I reach in and give when someone asks. So it was a moment. He asked. I reached in my pocket, and I handed him a $100 bill. Now, I had gotten out as much money as the guy was asking for this bus. And I was short now. And I remember going to the guy and I said, look, I I just ran into a buddy of mine. I'm a little short. How about you sell it to me for $100 less than what you're asking? And he had just rebuilt the engine. He had just done a lot of work on it. And graciously, he he gave it to me. Now, I don't say that story. I don't give you that story to say, hey, you know, Chuck knows what he's talking about. I t- tell you that story about what God's doing, right? I could also tell you a story about a time when I gave and I didn't get what I was hoping to get. 
But the point is that we would be willing, that we'd be capable of saying, you know what? The gift is more important. My relationship is more important. These moments are more important than that which I have. Objection. It's not so bad out there, Paul. We got some friends over there in Macedonia. They, don't, they say it's not as bad as it, it, it is. Objection. I'm not sure, Paul, that they would help us if we were in need. So why are you asking us to give so much? Remember, Paul is um, being very measured in his anticipation. Paul then steps in and says something that I think is a little hard to hear. Anticipating once again, verse 12, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are under pressure, but that there may be equality. Paul goes on for the next couple of verses and expresses that idea of equality, even calling on the story of the Jews in Exodus, the gathering of manna. He says this in verse 15, he said, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. That is the way that we are supposed to see our brothers and sisters. And one of our commentators says this of Corinthians, he says, the gift should establish equality. It's not a performance of self-disciplined abstention, but serves the principle of brotherliness. One should help out, help the other as constant change in circumstances will require. As constant change in circumstances will require. There will be moments in all of our lives where we are capable of giving all of the things and moments in our lives when we are not capable and we need Someone to step in. Note, I'm not just talking about finances, although that's where this is couched. More importantly, I think that it's appropriate to remind us that all of this is carefully couched in verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor, so that we through his poverty might become rich. All of this giving, all of what we're talking about is motivated by love and carried by grace. I'm going to stick with people who have better words than I. A different commentator says this, Paul does not spell it out here for he only wants us to set before us the example of Christ. Not to win our money by hope of reward, even spiritual reward. The final standard of our giving is not to be the result of our careful calculation of how much will be left when we have given, nor ought we be thinking of how much we will receive from others should we fall into need. The only standard is the love of Christ. In light of that, how can we hold anything back? I need to let you know that as I was preparing this message, as I was reading this stuff, I'm sitting here listening to it as much as I'm saying it. I'm with us. This is not easy stuff to hear. But it is what Paul's speaking, and it is Scripture, and we've got to take it in. I'm with you. 
I'm going to go back now. <laughs> it's like Paul is saying, I can feel your incriminations and your judgment, and I'm fine with that. But you want to love, don't you? When we take this out of the financial arena, I think it may be a little bit easier for us to see. I have a younger sister, and I will tell you there were moments in her life, and she would tell you the same, where we felt like we were being loved completely differently and better than the other. Anybody else have that? Come to recognize much later in my life, and even now, that, man, my parents did the best at loving us equally, but different equally but different. I'm sure that many of you can relate, especially true for, for those who are parents of multiple kids. But even more, let's take an example from Paul, right? Paul himself says this to the Corinthians. Read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says this, in the following directives, I have no praise for you. For your meetings do har more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you has God's approval. So then, when you come together, it's not the Lord's supper that you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and the other gets drunk. Do you not have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. He goes on to express to us what is the matter and the way that we should receive communion. And after it, he says this, For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. Paul is expressing this idea of equality for us, this idea that we need to see the other person. We need to see our people and make sure that we are not going to not give. He's saying, absolutely, make sure in every moment that you're willing to see who is around you and connect with them so that you might give. These follow on the words of Jesus. They follow on the words of John, and they follow on the words of Augustine of Hippo, where he says, it is impossible for a man or woman to love God and not love his or her neighbor, or to love their neighbor and not love God. Matthew, tw Matthew 2, John, 1 John 4. But do you hear Paul? I mean, do you hear his tone? Do you hear his tone in 1 Corinthians? It's decidedly different than it is here in 2 Corinthians. Remember, something's happened. Something has created a rift in their relationship. And Corinthians are upset with their founding pastor, and Paul is trying his level best to encourage them and to appeal to a group of people that are mad at him. It's as if the Corinthians are saying, for you it's a crusade, but for us it's a job. To try and stay in relationship with you, to stay connected to you. Paul is, a, is pleading for equality. 
And in that, he's pleading for two things. One, that they would alleviate poverty in the Jerusalem church. And two, that they would preserve unity in the body. When you read Paul, you see those themes over and over again, that we would alleviate poverty and that we would preserve unity in the church. He's saying, we are family. We believe in each other. That's everything. And that's where he ends in chapter 9. He makes a petition to the Corinthians to follow through on their desire and not bring shame and disunity. Words of blessing come easily. To bless by sharing our material possessions require quite another attitude. The fact that Paul held the Corinthian church as a model was either going to be great for the kingdom or cause Paul to face some really difficult things. Remember, Paul's in this high-context culture where relationship is everything. You want to know what happens? Well, you're just going to have to go read in Romans chapter 15, verse 26. Not now, later. But in Romans chapter 15, you find out what happens. Paul ends up going to Jerusalem. So in reading through this and studying through this, I feel like we have, we have two options. We can either give out of duty or we can give out of desire, this eagerness, this joy, this hope. We can give out of duty laced with judgment and ambivalence or desire laced with love and grace. When we give out of duty laced with judgment and ambivalence, we don't share ourselves. We don't share our finances. We don't follow the model of Jesus. The poor outgive us in love and grace and finances, and our walk with God feels stale. Our sense of competition outweighs our compassion. We hold back our resources until we see what is going to happen. You know what, I didn't say this in the last service, but I'm gonna say it now. I've been working in churches for the last 20 some odd years, and in those churches, I've worked a bunch of different places, and, and, and I've been through three senior pastor transitions. And every single one of those senior pastor transitions, someone has said, hey, I'm gonna not give so that I can see what's gonna happen. Y'all, please don't do that. It makes it really rough on us to continue to try and grow and do things. It is about this community that you have already said yes to. So if you're sitting in the pews thinking, I'm just going to hold back to wait to see what happens, please find me a scripture that supports what you're about to do. I'm going to get back to this. When we give out of duty laced with judgment and ambivalence, we hold back on love and grace. And we activate poverty and neglect unity. As it turns out, we are capable of much unpleasantness. But it's Jesus speaking to us. It's the risen Lord speaking to us. It's the one who conquered the grave who's speaking to us and says, maybe it's time to let the old ways die. 
And all you've got to do is trust Jesus. That's all we've got to do. And when we give out a desire flowing from grace and love, we share ourselves and we share our finances. We follow the model of Jesus. We seek equality with the poor in love and grace and finances. Our walk with God is quickened. Our compassion outweighs our sense of competition. We give our resources in anticipation of what is going to happen, what God's going to do through and with us, and we freely give and love through grace and mercy. And we alleviate poverty and preserve unity. I agree with Bonhoeffer when he says, when Jesus bids us to come, he bids us come and die. I like being dead. Here's the thing, Lake Avenue Church. We get to choose. As you're sitting in these pews, as we're hearing this message, as I'm hearing this, I realize I get to choose. We get to choose. This isn't something that requires a miraculous move of God on your heart. At some level, it's already happened. The love of grace of God has got a hold of you. And now God's saying, look and see around you and give that there might be equality and that there might be unity in the body. We don't need divine intervention. We just need to be grateful for what God's already given us and respond to those who need. If, if we embody grace and love, we can celebrate the faithfulness in each other. We can increase the trust in each other and in the church, in the world, and we can communicate the gospel to the world. Lake Avenue Church, we will not, we will not watch from the shadows. We cannot, we must not, we will work to be an example of how we as brothers and sisters on this earth should treat each other. We all know the truth, and that is that more connects us because of Christ than separates us. But in times of great crisis, we will be smart and build bridges and give as opposed to build barriers and hold back. We must find a way to look after one another as if we were one tribe. Amen? That's us. That's you and I doing church together for the sake of the gospel in this world. We give of ourselves and our finances so that others might be blessed. And we give even when it hurts. Would you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, you are doing something here. You are doing something in us. And Lord, as you work, as you see us, as you reach us, Lord, I pray that in these moments, Lord, we know those to whom we need to give. Our pockets are loosened. Our compassion is increased. And that you, Lord, are the recipient of our gracious, gracious thanks in the way that we care for each other. Amen.